Welcome to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed in for the good doctor, Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. The mayor of Enfield, North Carolina joins us once again as our special guest co-host, Mayor Mondale Robinson. The yellow Hello. looks good. You look good, Mayor. Thank you so much. I'm trying to keep up with your energy. Well, we'll see about that. But um, your sunshine, well, you're always shining so bright. Um, and because you are the mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, this uh, first story, I want to I see what you think about it, all the stories today, but this one in particular. Uh, Mayor threatened in voicemail left by law firm staffer. Hmm. According to NJ.com, at a December 11th news conference, Mayor Ladena Thomas of Penns Grove, New Jersey says she has been a victim of attacks from a local law firm staffer who not only threatened her, but called her racial slurs. She'd go on to play audio of a February 2021 voicemail allegedly made by the Lento Law Group's firm administrator, one John Groth. Now, the New Jersey Globe reported the recording as saying, quote, I'll be damned if I'm gonna have some black effing B. Okay, tell somebody that it's my effing fault, that she don't know what the F she's doing. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm going to destroy her. I'm going to effing destroy her. New Jersey Globe with the um, inflammatory details there. That's the reporting, folks. That's the reporting. So you have two players in this now, one unwilling. The other is the alleged perpetrator of this. According to NJ.com, Thomas, who won her first office bid in 2019, was recently reelected as mayor in November and as the first woman to hold the position. During her campaign though, ex-mayor John Washington pictured, challenged Thomas's decision to be listed as an independent, resulting in her being considered a write-in candidate. The Lento Law Group represented Washington when he filed the motion. Additionally, last month when Republican candidate Louis Pasquale challenged Thomas's win in court, he too was represented by the Lento Law Group. Last week, a Salem County judge granted Thomas's motion to dismiss the Lento Law Group as Pasquale's counsel, citing a conflict of interest. The judge also lifted the temporary hold on certifying Thomas's right in victory over Pasquale, though that ruling could continue to be challenged in court. Now, the voicemail and a string of other concerning calls were left for Richard Rivera, the town's current police director. Rivera stated he had notified the state attorney general's office and the FBI following the incident more than two years ago. But hmm, he didn't get a response from the AG's office until earlier this month. The alleged calls came after Thomas cut ties with the Lento Law Group, which served as Penn's Groves attorney in 2021, citing Groff's criminal past as a determining factor in her decision. And a black star with the reporting here. Groff, the law firm's administrator, has an extensive rap sheet that includes as many as eight convictions of various offenses, including check and insurance fraud. 2016, Groff was accused of promising to keep a Camden man out of jail in exchange for sex with both him and his girlfriend. New Jersey Globe, again, salacious details here. Thomas explained at the conference per NJ.com. After I made that decision, I was threatened by John Groff, the firm's office manager, that if I did not provide the Lento Law Group with a contract, that he would indeed destroy me. 
He made this threat to then police practices consultant Richard Rivera, who is now our police director. He also made those comments to others. Mayor LaDena Thomas reporting that. Groff remains an employee, but the law firm said they are looking into Thomas's claims. Lento Law Group is currently investigating news reports of a purported voicemail that was made public despite it being confidential and covered by attorney client privilege. Their statement to NJ.com said, because these news reports concern both the firm's work with previous and current clients and an employment matter, we cannot provide further public comment at this time. Garbage. I heard a lot of garbage there, okay? If I own a law firm, disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not even gonna play one today. I'm not gonna play one. But if you were telling me something about one of my employees who had an extensive criminal past, and look, people change, people turn their lives around. I would do more than just release a statement about how someone made something that should be confidential public. I wanna know everything, Mayor. I wanna know everything, I wanna get to the bottom of this. And that's why I called it garbage off the top. Yeah, I mean, we heard a lot of spin from uh, from from two parties. Here's the thing. Well, I should say there's two people that fail epically at this. And when I say people, I mean institutions. The first one was the AG and the FBI. The fact that this uh, this police director at that time, the consultant, Riviera, didn't hear anything back until this began to get steam outside of the state. And I know, Sharon, our job is not to center ourselves in the news. But I have firsthand knowledge of SBI and other law enforcement agencies sitting idle as people threaten my life, uh, the clans particularly. So it is unbelievable to me that to hear this is happening up and down the East Coast and probably all over this country for sure for anybody that's not willing to keep the status quo. Uh, the second the second institution that failed is definitely the law firm. I mean, this idea that you're upset that this was supposed to be prior, uh, client privilege uh, when in actuality, it, I don't understand how it can be privileged when the client, because this person was acting in and on behalf of the, as a police consultant for the town. So the, the client turned it over on you. They said you were acting unscrupulous, not you per se, but one of your employees, one of your agents. So this is just absolutely ridiculous to me. And the fact that this is one, the, the first woman, and you see actors and people forget this so often, it becomes people in general, people in power regardless of their race, as we saw the, the, the ex-mayor or the last mayor who was a black man working right along with this group who are willing to work with anybody that can that can get her out of office so they can keep their contract, keep their good boy network. And I think that is that is what sometimes falls on deaf ear when we talk about patriotism in this country, especially in politics. Yeah, it sounds like uh, power and corruption meet again, mayor. That's exactly what it sounds like. And they tried to bully this woman. It was a coordinated effort. That's what I see circumstantially, okay? And that the law firm would release that statement that they seem more concerned about some gobbledygook about <laughs> confidentiality instead of these hellish allegations, okay? And that's why I thought, well, what better person to have on today? I hate that you have gone through any of this, but the fact that you have, and here we see just a little further to the north, another mayor going through something that has some similarities. You're the perfect person to um, give us the context here. I'll give you the last word, Mayor, because I people always want a story to have a beginning, a middle, and end, a resolution, if you will. I don't know that if this kind of brazen conduct is going on now, that this will truly be resolved in a way that we don't see it play out again. Yeah, and 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 what's what's more damning about 
is they're not going to stop. This him trying to destroy her will not end even if he get fired. And he has friends. He will have friends and people that will participate or law enforcement that will sit idle on her claims and things. And she will always be demonized. I, I know this space. I occupy it. Um, and, and, and it's a sad space to be in because what will happen is we'll turn our heads. We'll forget about uh, Mayor Thompson and she'll still be suffering through this where people are trying to damn her. One for ending a contract with this law firm who seemed like they did have, uh, you know, conflict of interest. And then also this employee who's upset because whatever grievance he has, it sounds like because she's a woman and she's black. And I think those two things are something that we will, we will move on from, but she can never move on from yeah. being a woman and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and assassinate her character. You know a little something about that. They try and try, but you're still shining bright, Mayor, still shining bright. Uh, we wish her the best. We hope that we can just get to the bottom of this. The whole truth needs to come out. Remember the story we told you about? That genderqueer book and the search for it. Um, Here's some of that body cam footage was obtained by the Daily Beast. Maybe it'll help you to to pick what book. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the ones that would be on one of these shelves. Um, I don't actually currently see it here, so, so it may I or may not show you be out. Have you looked through the book yourself? Uh, I did read it back when it first came out. Yeah. So, but I don't really recall. So this is the issue. Okay. Um, it's, it's not the it's not the general idea of what the book's about. It's I can't present that kind of material to people under okay. eighteen. Um, so that's our concern. That's um, why we're here. Yeah, it's a memoir about coming of age. I mean, you're welcome to remove it um, if you see it, but so, yeah, I, have I to don't see it. it so could it be on it? It's possible yeah. that a teacher has it. A lot of teachers and other people have borrowed it as well, but it's not something that is out for everybody. So it needs this is special approval only. So okay. And as far as any of these other books, are there similar? Images that could be in any of them? Not that I know of. You're welcome to flip through. I'm not looking to flip through every single book here. Yeah, um, not that I know of. No. Okay. Um, but place else in the room that would be left floating. Uh, you're welcome to look around. I have not seen it. So. It seems like you kind of keep that material over that I do way. keep the material separate um, on purpose. Obviously, it's like I said, it's not the general material itself. It's the images that are in it mm-hmm. that constitutes material that you can't disseminate to children. And again, just because a teacher specifically has it doesn't mean they're in any kind of trouble. Um, so I don't want you yeah. to think that. Like if you know you think you know who yeah. the teacher is, I don't want you to. Yeah, no. There's books. There's books on here that are meant for like you know teacher guides on how to. Yeah, there's books on on investigation here. What's next? Uh, do they still go by the Dewey Decimal System in, in schools? Or is it much more sophisticated? Now it worked. But he really wants to find this book, perhaps wants to read it himself. Um, this is alarming to say the least. As we covered last week, an anonymous complaint went to police in Great Barrington, Massachusetts to report about the graphic memoir Queer, which is among the most banned books in the country. I think uh, we all know what the landscape looks like at this point. The complaint led to an officer visiting an eighth 
grade classroom at W.E.B. Du Bois Regional Middle School to search for that book, Body Cam Rolling, you see. Daily Beast with the update for us. The incident sparked national media attention, an apology from the department's police chief, and a walkout from LGBTQ high school students. Are you really calling the cops over a book? Read one student's protest sign, which was published in the Berkshire Eagle. According to the officer's narrative provided via public records request, an individual wishing to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation came into the police station and shared that they were concerned about images in a book they saw in a classroom. The police department kept the reporting party's name confidential in the incident report, but did not extend the same courtesy to the English teacher. Document says that the complaining party shared the first name of the teacher, whom they accused of keeping a book with illustrations of sexual content on a desk in their classroom. Hmm. This person claimed they once observed a student sitting on the teacher's lap and that they were concerned about the teacher and other staff discussing subjects related to LGBTQ material and telling them not to tell their parents about it, the report states. The witness snapped photographs of the book's illustrations, which included depictions of a sex toy and oral sex. And the officer's report notes that the images could be a violation of a state law against the dissemination of obscene material. Before the plainclothes officer showed up after school hours on December 8th, they contacted the school district superintendent, Peter Dillon, right there on the left, who then alerted the principal, Miles Wheat, on the right. The report states Dillon, quote, did not have an issue with cops visiting and following up with the complaint. Wheat and the officer then met with the eighth grade English teacher in her classroom. The teacher says she hasn't seen the book, quote, in a long time. According to the officer's report, he informed the teacher that the anonymous tipster took a photo of the book a week or two prior. Reached by the Daily Beast, the teacher targeted in the complaint called the situation a horrific, lie-riddled, homophobic attack on the only queer teacher and our brave LGBTQ plus and ally students who enjoy a safe space in our voluntary gender and sexuality alliance club. She described this weekly lunchtime club as quote, deeply beloved and completely run by students, sanctioned and paid for by the school and well supported by their grateful parents. The teacher, the report notes, also runs an LGBTQ club meeting group. Principal told the investigating officer he was not aware of any complaints or concerns about the teacher or any other teachers involved in the club. The educator who asked to remain anonymous said students decide on the club's activities, which mostly involve things like making paper snowflakes and drinking hot chocolate, with the only unifying rules being that everyone is welcome and everyone respects each other. Teacher said she was horrified that someone in our school community would have such hatred in their hearts to attack already marginalized teachers, students, and families, and that law enforcement gave credence to the complaint. In his report, the cop indicated he spoke to police chief Paul Storty on the left after this visit, was advised to contact district attorney Timothy Hugrew on the right for guidance. December 13th, the officer and Storty had a call with an assistant district attorney and the cop was told that he may need to write a search warrant to get any additional documentation from the school. The next day, however, the district attorney and school superintendent had talked directly. And it was no longer a criminal matter, and the school would handle it 
internally, the incident report states. Ruth Borquin, senior and managing attorney at the ACLU of Massachusetts, told the Daily Beast in part, quote, this incident is a deeply concerning escalation of a vocal minority's attempts to ban books that are by and about LGBTQ people, communities of color, and other marginalized groups. Law enforcement has no role in policing materials in Massachusetts schools or educational programs. Finally, in my view, Mayor, someone said something that makes sense. This whole thing seems like a throwback episode where I'm waiting for Boss Hogg to appear with the jump out boys. Uh, this whole thing that they selectively chose to keep the complaining witness a secret, right? Confidential, not because uh, there was a drug lord running around and that person needed police protection, but because they would be held up to public rebuke, retaliation, so they said. I think. Some people know each other intimately and have an agenda. And that may include this officer who was chosen to do this deep dive investigation. The whole thing is a blow up of foolishness. Yeah, I'm I'm a little disturbed that, you know, like I mean, in the article they said, oh, in this it, it had a conversation had to happen between the DA and the superintendent before it no longer became a police issue. It was never a police issue. Thank you. Um, and and if if anything was to be investigated, this idea that they this this anonymous person, this anonymous person, uh, saw a a child sitting on someone's lap. I feel like as a teacher, I want I want I want the ability to challenge this person. I you this is libel. You're saying that I was doing something unscrupulous with one of my children, my students, and if, I'm assuming you're a mandatory reporter because you're in that space um, as an adult, and also, and also, I I should have the right to challenge you on that. I should know your name, and I don't think that's I don't think that's okay. I think it's also dangerous that we have police officers pretending that they know what's better for students than than their teachers, people who went to school to educate the young. Now we have police officers who's probably been through six weeks including gun training uh, to think they, they can't even manage the community, let alone children. And they, and I am thinking this is the beginning of what was already once a thing in America. Banning books is not new and it didn't start with Ron DeSantis and people shouldn't think that. It started with the Daughters of Confederacy. And I can tell you the power of banning books. If you go back and look at how they built the curricula throughout the South in this country and how successful the Daughters of Confederacy were at banning what truly happened around the Civil War, um, and see the effectiveness of it, then you would understand that right now we still have people arguing things that were taught to their great, great, great grands about the Civil War, meaning the lost cause is a real thing. We hear people using that silly argument. We hear people talking about Northern aggression. Even when we had right in the secession documents, why the Southern states seceded, which was slavery. So I think I think the danger of letting books be banned and, and then to take it a step further, letting cops uh, especially in towns where there are 6,000 people like it is in this town, uh, decide which books and which teacher they're going to go out there while they protect people seems definitely like a, a, a pathway America and democracy should not be entertaining. Southern Daughters, uh, you're right. Southern Daughters of the Confederacy were very successful and their agenda was clear. We're going to rewrite history. Civil War was not about slavery at all, okay? And by the way, these slaves were singing hymns and it made the day go by you know, fast and they had a lot of fun in the fields. I'm here in the state of Georgia 
And some of these writings, this fiction belongs in the fiction section, if at all, still exists today. Still exists today. This whole thing about monuments and when they were put up, I'm thinking more along the lines of the Jimmy Carter era, okay? Then when the war, Civil War, was actually fought or shortly thereafter. You gotta know your history. The mayor's right. You have to know your history. But there's something else that's very disturbing here with this story, Mayor. The only LGBTQ plus teacher. Hmm. Something about an allegation that a student was sitting on her lap. Hmm. I get it. So we're back to people who fall into the category of LGBTQ plus are also predators. They're trying to change your kids' minds. They're after them. They're doing things inappropriately to them. This whole thing is so easy to see right through, man. Yeah, their entire their entire slick is I mean, slick is absolutely transparent. It's not even new anymore. We see exactly what they do. Hide your name and go and accuse the person that's the least like you. Make them different, something other. If you otherize them to the point where you could get community sentiment on your side, then you can do whatever you want to these people. Uh, right now, in this case, it is the LGBTQI community, but we saw what Hitler did with it. He killed 6 million Jewish people. We saw what America did with it. They enslaved an entire race of people. So this othering of people that are different than you is as American as apple pie. And in this case, it is as dangerous as hell. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad that you brought up the other points because sometimes people don't want to do that. And they say they want to rank them, but this was horrific. This was a little less horrific. It's all dangerous, folks. And you never know where it's going to lead unless you look back at history and you see where it very well could. This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Richie today. Mayor Mondell Robinson is our special guest co-host. Always happy to have the mayor on board to give us his positive insight, history lessons, commentary, much more indisputable to come. Welcome back to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who has earned some much needed time off. The mayor of Enfield, North Carolina joins us. Today, Mayor Mondale Robinson. Um, and Mayor, what do you say? Let's uh, get some comments going here and see what people have to say about our first couple of stories. Um, some real doozies, especially that last update on uh, W.E.B. Du Bois uh, school there where they were searching for that book, full on investigation. And um, we're learning more perhaps about who was actually behind this or the kind of person I should say who should be behind this. Uh, viewer comments now. TYT member over 9,000 says, Sharon and Mayor Mondale, making me thankful for Thursday. Have there been any positive changes in your dealings with threats, Mayor? Because again, that first story about Mayor in New Jersey who was dealing with these threats, um, you know, she's going through it. And unfortunately, Mayor, that's something that you know all too well. But people do want to make sure that um, we know you can handle yourself. But have there been any updates that you can share? Yeah, I mean, the last update was the, um, I think the last update I gave on the show was the SBI uh, interviewed me. They came in and interviewed me and they told me like they were just trying to get it over with and hand all the information over to the DA. But this is after we were talking about it on this show because they said they were going to bring charges against me again after they dropped the first charges because they couldn't do anything about it. So it's always, like I said, like what happens and what we hear about is not the end for that elected official. And that's the yeah. sad. It's the sad part, but I think it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a great thing that you provide open transparency because it's got to be a 
a scary situation for your family. I know you're fearless mayor, but these ongoing threats that seem to be coming rapid fire from everywhere. Um, but it's important that you share because I think that also helps not just with us and your fans who want to keep up with you and believe in you, but also holds them accountable. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, next TYT reporter, this is what happens. This is about the body cam, the footage, the update, uh, that book, looking for it. Someone else we will never stop following, doggedly so. Because they're everywhere, they're growing, multiplying, if you will. And they too are fearless, sadly. But we have to stay vigilant and kind of just smoke them out wherever they are. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel French! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Me too. Perfect. And I get paid. Good. And you're about to be fired. That's what you're about to do. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Is that mine? Can I get a straw with that, please? Yeah, sure. Thank you. She won't bite. I appreciate you. Can I get a receipt as well? With the dumbass's name on there? It's not my name on there. Okay. But you can see it right here. All right. No. I'll print your receipt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Actually, you can go ahead and refund me. I won't. Yes, you, you will. You got your drink. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. I'm going to press charges on you. Yeah, go ahead. Keep go going. Ahead. Go ahead. Press your charges. I will. Thank go you. Ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it, bitch. Do it. Do it. Press your charges. Okay. Go Do ahead. It. Keep driving so I can yeah. get your license plate. You threw something at me. What do you think was gonna happen? Things we're seeing more and more of these assaulting people in the service industry just because I want to, right? Just on a whim. Poster of this video claims the incident happened in Plano, Texas, and that the Starbucks employee was fired for the incident. However, these claims not verified by indisputable, but that is what the poster is claiming. Mayor, the fact that it goes on for so long and that there's dual cameras that are rolling here, footage is being recorded on both ends. What What is it? Are we seeing more of these or are we just more being recorded? I just think people are so brazen. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a descendant of those who were, you know, uh, in, in, in the generation before me, my mom's mom and my dad's mom both were, were domestics. So they worked in this house. So I think, you know, those women, those black women probably saw a lot of this behavior from white women, especially if they ever caught the eye of that white woman's husband and the white type of way about it. Um, and then, then there's also the, what, what it meant to be black enslaved in America. What I would say about this level of caring, though, this, this idea that you can, in your, you know, six-figure uh, SUV throw drinks at people that are serving you. It's exactly why I would be bad in this type of business because I would teach my employees that your job has dignity and that requires you to see humanity in what you're doing. No one, no one is allowed to treat you like this. Um, the way she was, if, and I hope this employee was not fired. Yeah. The way this, the woman was talking to her 
throwing things at her. She held that cup intentionally. She she was going to throw mm-hmm. that cup at that. I saw her arm a couple times. She snatched the arm back twice. She's looking for old drinks in her car. There's absolutely should be charges filed against um, <clears throat> this, this lady. And if she lost her job, the employee lost her job, then she should be talking to a lawyer about Starbucks and yep. what, what it means to have a hostile work environment. Because just because this woman went home and cried about how sorry or, you know, how she felt and how her feelings were hurt or how bad she was treated, there's evidence to show the abuse of this employee at work doing nothing other than not putting up with the BS from this Karen. And I think that's what it is. We've we've coddled Karen so long in this country that that it is it seemed to be growing exponentially. Every day I'm seeing new Karens beating Mm. up delivery drivers or, 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 or male people. And I just, I'm, I don't know what to do about it, but for tell people to stand up and fight yeah. back. Stand up, fight back. And you mentioned um, in this case, Starbucks, we saw something similar at a Chipotle in Parma, Ohio, right here on Indisputable. We brought it to you at home. I think these companies have to do more. I, I used to be not that long ago of the mindset that the customer's always right, but I didn't mean this. You know, this would have been what I would refer to as the exception mayor. It's not the exception. We have to rethink that customer always right thing. I think that these companies have to step it up, offer protections, however creative you look, you come up with all these different drinks and pumpkin this and that, okay, and charge $10 for it. You can come up with some good measures, some protections for your employees that make everything go, okay? You can do that. They're already not paid enough. I'll give you the last word. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, like you're, you're expecting me to come here and make you that wealthy. Starbucks is as wealthy as it is because of the people that they don't give a livable wage to. It's not because of their CEO. It's not because of something great about their burnt coffee beans. It's not. It's the fact that these people get up daily and serve that coffee to people all over this country, all over the world, really. And I think that, that when these people are respected, when labor is are respected in the way that we do dollar and capital, then I think people will understand that, you know, you can't treat workers this way. You, you, none of us exist without service industry at all. Yeah. And don't forget, you're also very annoying with your double pump of this foam, long shot, all this other stuff with a twist and a cup with no ice, add the ice at the end, all these other things that people put on it and dare you to get it wrong or this may happen. Okay. So I too think charges should be filed. Uh, and we all have to come together and uh, fight this, you know, anti-Karens unite. Hmm. Oh. You scream at an employee's Walmart. Get out of here. That's racist. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The United States doesn't have an official language, jackass. Buddy, I lost my key. That's what I did, buddy. You don't have to move around, big homie. The what? You don't live there, bro. You don't live there, bro. You need to move around, bro. Okay, I'm coming around right now, dog. Huh? I'm coming around right now, dog. All right, now you got to move around, bro. You don't even live there, bro. I'm going to let you know. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you make the choice, bro. Why? Because you don't live there. Get out some people's door, bro. Yes, 
Sloppy and belligerent, sloppy drunk, belligerent. Okay, and I, you almost wouldn't blame someone for not getting involved. Maybe just peeking out the window, especially you know a black man may not want to get involved because you know what happens. The lie becomes the truth, and the real perpetrator becomes the victim too, too often. We'll see what happens in this case. There's more. So we might want to move away from my door. Yes, uh, somebody be a daughter. But I'm <laughs> telling you now, I got a gun, so you think so? Ma'am, I'm trying to tell you somebody trying to beg in my door and I'm trying to tell you. But you at my house and I have a gun. Okay, 
when you are a white man in America. There's no point to be careful. There's nothing to be careful of. The entire world are your roadblocks. The entire world are your, your gutter, your gutter guards to keep you from falling in the gutter, so to say. For black people, I mean, there's there's a guy who crashed his car in North Carolina, went and knocked on a door for help and got murdered. Uh, you just named Ralph. There are so many stories of how bad this turns out. There are people been laying in their bed as black and got shot. This much grace was not given to them. And this is only, this is only, only, only possible when America continues to live out her racist intentions. And I don't think people need, we need to stop calling it broke. Um, the system is not broken. America is acting just as she was designed to act, where, where the protection of white people is higher than anything and everything else. If it wasn't so, the education system wouldn't fail black people at the rates it does. The police system wouldn't kill and lock up black people at the rate they do. And white people wouldn't have the ability to show up in this manner. This is not to say that all white people are racist, and it's a shame that I have to say that, but it is to say that all white people benefit and have this luxury. I have white friends tell me their parents have never told them, you need to be careful when you're stopped by the police. There's certain things you can and can't do. That is a, that is a, that's a, that's a, a thing that young kids in black communities know. Uh, you, you know, you can lose your childhood for being black. That is not a thing for white people. It's not a reality. Yeah. I don't know how many other 13 year olds. We're told white ones not to play with a toy gun that they wouldn't get a chance to explain it to Mayor Rice, right? Yeah. Um, but it just to me is enormous privilege the way this this person was behaving, drunk, intoxicated. You're right, and you can't just blame it all on the alcohol. But it's this sense of knowing that I'm not in real danger. Maybe I'm Robert Downey Jr. and I'm breaking into a neighbor's home and I'm found asleep in a child's bed. And that's just, you know, I'm not roughed up in any way because that wouldn't happen to me. This is America for some people. Much more to come on Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. We'll be right back. Three cops in the 2020 death of Manuel Ellis. Let's give you the details on the update. The three Washington State Police officers found not guilty of all criminal charges in the fatal arrest of Manuel Ellis. The more than two month trial ended December 21st as the jury acquitted Matthew Collins, Christopher Burbank, and Timothy Rankin on multiple charges of second degree murder and manslaughter after defense attorneys argued that Ellis died from methamphetamine ingestion combined with the effects of an enlarged heart. Where we heard this before. Wonder if he had not encountered them. If he'd still be alive with his enlarged heart and perhaps some Matthews. We'll never know, will we? Let's give you a reminder of the incident. The police reportedly stopped him because he allegedly harassed a woman on the street, but multiple witnesses disputed that account and said police approached him unprovoked. During that detainment, a nearby home's doorbell security camera caught Ellis repeatedly telling the officers he couldn't breathe. Something else we're familiar with. George Floyd, Eric Garner. His death occurred three months before George Floyd's, which sparked global demonstrations to end violent policing practices. Statement from the Ellis family attorney now. Biggest reason why I personally think this jury found unreasonable doubt is because the defense was essentially allowed to put Manny Ellis on trial. That is textbook, folks. Okay, there's actually a blueprint for how they deal with these things. 
should they ever make it to trial, which is rare. This is a blueprint for it, folks. The Ellis family lawyer, Matthew Erickson, according to the Associated Press, made the comments. The defense attorneys were allowed to dredge up Manny's past and repeat to the jury again and again Manny's prior arrest in 2015 and 2019. That unfairly prejudiced jurors against Manny. Something they do in the grand jury too, okay? Michael Brown, when we finally got the transcript there, we know why the officer was never charged. Because Michael Brown didn't present evidence or allegations against the officer. This was all about Michael Brown, the big, aggressive, violent, now dead, black man. The officers still face a separate lawsuit from Ellis's family, filed in US District Court in September 2021 that had been on hold due to the criminal trial. Civil case includes claims against two additional officers, Macy Ford, who helped restrain Ellis, Armando Farinas, who placed a spit hood on the victim, who were cleared to return to duty after an internal review found they did nothing wrong. Last year, the Ellis family settled federal wrongful death lawsuit against Pierce County, where Tacoma is located for $4 million, Atlanta Blackstar. Okay, Pierce County knows the deal. Pay, but don't really stop this behavior. Just pay out, make it go away. Because after all, the people are going to pay for this until the people decide we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Money doesn't matter, folks. The behavior does. City of Tacoma said the verdicts won't impact an ongoing internal affairs investigation. The results of which are expected to be announced by Tacoma Police Chief Avery Moore within two weeks. Going into 2024, and this happened in 2020, but okay. Accompanied by a decision on potential disciplinary actions for the officers, up to and including termination. Atlanta Black started with the details. So they were waiting for the justice system to do something that they could already do, right? These investigations are going on. You tell me what you see. You're not, there's not statutes, okay? There's just your own bylaws, your own internal affairs department, Tacoma police. Is this behavior okay or not? Is this conduct okay or not? You have all the facts. Okay, it's nearly what, four years later? You you know everything you need to know. Three years later, pardon me. Point is, it's been long enough. No leadership. Let's just wait and see how this shakes out. And that's another tactic, isn't it, Mayor? Just let it long and slow. Of course. and slow. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the that's part of the case. So they can, you know, eventually put these guys back in uniform to do what they're trained to do, which is kill black people, kill people of color. And people don't want to hear that. But I I the the and I keep going back to this and I sound like TYT's broken history, right? The broken record. Police departments in the United States have their root in slave catchers. Don't think the reason these police officers keep getting off because the organization, the foundation of police departments in this country was to catch or kill black men running away or and black women running away from slavery. I don't see a difference. When you look at the numbers, how are we less than 5% of the general population, but the leading dyers from police lethal force, right? And if you're between the ages of 16 and 29, it's one of the leading causes of death. Police officers are. 
So this is not a broken system. It's working as it was designed. And we got to acknowledge that if we're ever to get right. These juries keep finding these people innocent because they don't see a right that a black person owns that a white cop or any cop has to abide or listen to. The cop, the third cop that showed up, walked up and just put his knee on a on this man's back whose hand were already up. From the, This is what was said from people, eyewitness testimony. His hands were already up. Third officer walks up. He's on the ground and put his knee right on his back. What is that? That is not how you treat human. The uh, 400 year history, racist history of policing in America, okay, from slave patrols to now traffic stops. There are um, writings about this. There are uh, dissertations that have been done. Plenty of facts to back it up. Plenty of facts. I don't need those papers. I, I, I know you know history, Mayor. And it seems to me that while we have no uh, other way to protect ourselves often, that we have to continue to have conversations in these marginalized communities. We have to continue to say, you really want to call the police? Figure it out. I don't know what the right answer is, because if you need help now, do you really have an opportunity to say, hmm, what's the bigger threat? The perp who's trying to bust through my door, maybe is inside the house, or the police who may come after the domestic violence situation that I'm enduring, or the police who may come to investigate it. Okay, we've seen children who called the police and ended up shot. We've reported it right here. I'll give you the last word, Mayor. It's just so disheartening that they keep being, if it goes the distance, they keep being found not guilty, reasonable doubt. There always is when a black victim is involved here. And I do say victim. And and then and there's another horror in there too, right? The fact that, excuse me, the fact that taxpayers end up paying for this, this negligence. Millions and millions of dollars paid in settlements over and over again. Mm-hmm. Basically saying that, you know, we are liable as taxpayers for the incompetence of these cops or the racism of these cops. But don't worry, they're still on the force. Yeah. And I think for so many people, and I think I still want to believe most people are are decent. Doesn't mean that we don't have a problem with privilege and people not even realizing that they do have privilege. But most people are decent. But we've got to bring our heads up from busy lives, no fault of our own. I'm not placing blame. And we've got to really study this game that's going on. Okay, because we become outraged, we see the headline on the news that's not even reported correctly because it's reported from a point of view of privilege most of the time. Okay, I've been on the inside. I can tell you this most of the time. Well-intentioned people who don't even get the things that they're writing and saying and reporting on the news, we react to it and say oh, that's that's terrible. Oh yeah, no taxpayer. No, you really need to look under the hood and study how your taxes go up. If you can't just open your heart and see this as a moral compass issue. See it as an economic one too. I'll take whatever I can get at this point. We will, because this must not continue. These private payouts, because people really don't remember the payouts, and people who lose their lives and then they're put on trial. Let's get the prosecutors who think this is a great tactic too. That's about moral compass and protecting all people. If you go into this industry as a prosecutor and you value certain people over others, And this could even be, by the way, a prosecutor of color who's trained in a system because it's about the system, not the person, okay, who's just plugged into the system. 
We have to learn our history and then see where we, and do it honestly, by the way, see where we end up after we take an honest look at what really happened, because that'll show us how we got here. Am I wrong, Mayor? You're not wrong at all. I'll tell you something else as well. You're talking about taking a look at prosecutors. You remember the talking about this uh, attacking cases in this manner or getting rid of cops and also prosecutors who are showing up in a way that's not productive to community, treating people equitably, became a huge thing for George Soros. And when he started supporting the ideal of progressive DAs and judges, that's when he started getting, uh, you know, this this anti-Semitic hate from the right and other people uh, about his control over politicians on the left. And I think people should be aware of that because what we were actually doing uh, with that work was going after these DAs who were excluding black people from uh, jury selection because of their hair, because of their name, because of their style of clothes. So we watched, we watched, uh, for instance, a great example of this is Forrest Allgood in Mississippi, who was one of the worst uh, DAs in the country got put on the list as one of the worst DAs in the country for how he treated black people in 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 a five county area in Mississippi, and we got rid of him using that work. And I think people saw how effective it could be um, telling people the truth about these prosecutors. And that work is kind of being tampered down now. It's not as it's not funded as much. So people don't want you going after DAs. They want you to mm-hmm. keep talking about settlements, and that's it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They don't want you going after these district attorneys unless they're prosecuting 45. Okay, then they, you know, might be political motivated. Got to get her out of here. The Georgia legislature is on her butt. Okay. Uh, well, listen, the the pint-sized prosecutor, Fonnie Willis, she's not going anywhere. Okay, we're gonna see what happens. A lot of mistakes were made. A lot of time delayed there, but we'll see what happens. Um, but but you're absolutely right. We've got to open our eyes and. Do the homework and see if we can do better as a result. Governing board has reinstated the cop who shot 11-year-old Jordan. Barely look at his face. He's just, wouldn't you love a son like that? I would. I would. How does a little boy like that get shot? Let's give you the reminder. According to Atlanta Black Star, Governing board in Mississippi has voted to reinstate police officer Greg Capers, who was suspended after he shot 11-year-old Darian Murray, who had called police to his home earlier this year to help resolve a domestic dispute involving his mother. During a special session, the city of Indianola Board of Aldermen voted 4-1 to clear the way for Sergeant Greg Capers to return to duty more than seven months after the incident. The board also voted to prohibit the release of Police body cam footage of the incident. Hmm. Whose side are you on? That's just my simple question. Whose side are you on? I'm a member of the public and it's too painful and I don't want to look at it. That's my decision. But in an open society where you're supposed to protect everyone and you're working for us, that's not your decision. At least it shouldn't be. Immediately after the May 20 shooting, Capers was placed on paid administrative leave. But a month later, the board voted four to one to suspend Capers without pay, pending the outcome of an internal affairs probe and a grand jury investigation, which ended last week with no criminal charges against Capers. The December 21st reinstatement became effective immediately, according to attorney Michael Carr, who represented Capers during the injury inquiry. Rather, 
on behalf of the Mississippi Division of the Police Benevolent Association. We should talk about the Police Benevolent Association too at some point. And a black star with the details. Meanwhile, Darian and his family attended the meeting. And as the board voted to reinstate capers, a surge of emotions overcame the boy. And he had to be taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. Now, see, those are real tears and real fear. Real tears, real fear when a little boy who has just learned at 11 years old, perhaps, that the system is not made to protect him. It's not made to protect him. So everything you perhaps learned in school, find an officer, get help. All of that, he's very confused now. Motions running high and probably did. Absolutely, not just a precaution, need that trip to the hospital. Attorney Carlos Moore told CNN, Derry Murray suffered an anxiety attack during the meeting, which resulted in him bleeding from his mouth and nose. This unfortunate incident only underscores the deep ongoing trauma that Adarian and his family are experiencing. Murray previously spoke about the trauma he faced with CNN. He said, said everybody come out with your hands up. I, then I came running inside the living room. It then, then I remember I heard the big bang. Then I just remember holding my chest. As he laid in his mother's arms, bleeding out from a gunshot wound, 11-year-old Adarian Murray was so convinced he was going to die, he began to pray to God and sing gospel songs. I think like, like I'm going, going to die. Tell, her, tell my whole family. Tell my teacher, I say, I say I'm sorry for, for what I did. Darian's mother says he developed a collapsed lung and suffered fractured ribs and a lacerated liver due to the gunshot wound. He spent days in the ICU at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, needing a ventilator to breathe. It came right here. More than a week since the shooting, he is remarkably in good spirits but says sometimes when he's alone with his thoughts for too long, he has nightmares. Sometimes I can see myself laying inside the coffin. I'm all my thoughts at night, my only ones. And sometimes I think people are watching me. But my main thought is me dead. If that officer was here, sitting right here across from you, what would you want to tell him, Adarian? Why did you do it? I could have lost, lost my life all because of you. I want you terminated for what you did to me. As a journalist who's interviewed so many people, I can tell when someone's been coached. Not this kid. There's a lot going on, a lot of thoughts. And with all due respect to the reporter, it's a comprehensive report, but I don't see an 11 year old who's, quote, remarkably in good spirits. I see an 11 year old who's forever changed and will never be the same again. Already traumatized by a domestic violence situation, and history tells us it had to be going on 
or perhaps sometime in his life, he'll never, never call the police again. That is my prediction. And why would he? No one's in trouble. The officer, and again, it doesn't matter what color the officer is, it's about the system. And who gets the benefit of the doubt, how quickly they act, they're beyond reproach. Officer probably even got back pay. Okay, let's, you gotta understand how these things work. They, they look good in a little newspaper heading and reporters who don't do much digging beyond it. But you gotta understand how these things work. Probably got all the back pay because they don't wanna set a precedent here for anything less than the officer shall be exonerated. A little boy forever changed. Who could he have been had this not happened? I think about all these things, Mayor. Yeah, um, my first job was the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps. And this mm. kid sounds like some of my fellow Marines who've been in war. He was shot at 11. Why does a kid know what that big bang and then the next step to hold a, hold the bullet wound? How is that okay in this country? How do you know that this child live in this town in Neola and also have that cop still serve? Where where it where is the fault for what this kid, the trauma? This is the epigenetic trauma I've talked about, what it means to be black. Not to mention, when I heard this kid say, I just saw myself in the casket, all I could think about is he lives 30 miles from where Emmett Till was killed in Drew, Mississippi. Indianola is 30 miles up the street where 14-year-old Emmett Till was murdered. And it doesn't, it does not look like the, there's any different right then. Back then, the Mississippi uh, State Bureau investigation investigated that. This time they had an internal probe and then both of them gave us the same outcome. A little black boy shot and could have been killed. And in one case, a little black boy was killed, shot several times and then a lot of other things. But what we see is Mississippi, um, Dixieland, America, from Canada to Mexico, damn sure don't care about little 11 year old boys. And if they did, there's no way this guy would be an officer anywhere in this country. Yeah, you said it so well, so eloquently. You know, there's this thing, this saying, Mayor, where health is wealth. You know what else is wealth? Oh, not only do you shoot my baby, okay, a great kid. Could you not tell the things he was talking about, thanking and apologizing to his teacher for whatever he did? Really, this kid, you shot him, and then you told him he didn't matter. You shot him again in the system. Where's the hope? Why should I work hard? Why should I dream? That's the biggest fear here, okay? He knows very well it could happen again. That's why he pictured himself in a coffin. He believes he dodged death this time at age 11, having done nothing wrong. Who might he be? If we would get rid of the systemic racism, these systems, these descendants of slave patrols, who could he be? Maybe he will cure cancer. Maybe the next time we have a pandemic, he could be the one to get that vaccine. Who could he be if you would just lift this burden from him and the rest of Black America? Couldn't we all benefit? I mean, I'm being too, too hopeful, Mayor. I'm being too dramatic, perhaps. But that's just the way I think about this really disgusting stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think there were any dramatics in your statement. I think that's a, that's a great question. And those. The sad part about it is 
this kid is still searching for answers. He didn't have any hate for the officer. The, the, when, the, when, the, when he was asked, what would you say if this officer was here? He didn't say, I would say, I hate you or I wish you were gone. He said, I just, you, you deserve this have consequence to your actions. You shot an 11-year-old unarmed kid who called you for the protection of his mother. You shot him. And you still get to keep your job. So this kid is asking for why. Now we've built another black man, a little boy right now, but that will become a black man that cannot sit alone in his room with his own thoughts from the fear of thinking about death. And he's and learned believe, that. And we don't believe yeah. America is broken. And he's learned that he doesn't deserve justice. Not, not in the American way. This is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, Mayor of Enfield, North Carolina. Mayor Mondale Robinson is our special guest co-host today. We're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I want to thank the team, such a powerful team who puts the show together. Um, it's just incredible, the work that they do. They work so hard, um, so efficiently, and such passion. Just like you, just like you at home who are loyal TYT supporters, indisputable supporters, and you get it. I'm Sharon Reed for Dr. Richie today. Mayor Mondale Robinson is our special guest co-host. You know him well. Uh, YouTube, about Manuel Ellis. Kyle CH says, internal affairs probably ruled it okay three years ago, and is just waiting to release their findings. So it looks like they spent time investigating in some way. Like I said, you get it. You don't need three years on with body cam footage. You have all the details. And yet there's no leadership here. It's really sad. Manuel Ellis is dead. Witnesses dispute that police had any reason to stop him. They said it was unprovoked. Okay. Police said something different. YouTube member The Jack, thank you for your contribution. Public defenders like prosecutors work for the court, not you. Sadly, you have to know the whole system, right? Why do you think public defenders are overloaded with cases, not much time and not much money? Why do you think there's so many plea deals? They have lunch with prosecutors and they have ambition and they want more. And so it's all part of the same system. You're just the odd man out a lot of times. Cop reinstated, Adam Scott says, boy, this is so true. Made that woman pay the cop that shot her son with her tax dollars. Effectively, that is exactly, you're right, Adam. That's exactly what has happened here. They do have a civil suit pending, but have to go all the way, all the way, just to try to get what's fair in the American system. One more for you. And I hate, I hate to read this one, but you know what, Jack? You said it. Of course, he's reinstated. He'll kill his own. Now this boy has to think about the cop who tried to kill him is free. You don't matter. I added that part. That's what it feels like. That's what it is too often. Haley, Nikki Haley declines to say slavery was the cause of civil war. I'll let you listen. What was what the was cause the of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. 
What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not the I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government. What do you want me to say about slavery? Next question. When you think about the highest office in the land and who you would like to lead it, all the people, I just want you to remember that answer. Okay? It was brief, incomplete, deflection, and then a little belligerent at the end. How dare you ask me? I mean, to me, this is the softest question in the world. Teed it up for her. You're running for governor. I mean, you're running for the presidency, Governor Haley. And you, you don't want to answer that? Are the people before you, the people who support you, the people who support you want so fragile that you can't talk about the Civil War and slavery, the big elephant in the room? Okay, you can't, you can't talk about that and you want to be president of the United States. It's not, I can't even use a word like transparency. Haley, the former UN ambassador, South Carolina governor, was appearing at a town hall event in Berlin, New Hampshire. Everybody wants to be in New Hampshire. When asked that question, the exchange took place roughly an hour and a half into the town hall event. I noticed the smile too. She smiled as she walked back and began to think, okay, how am I going to dodge this one? What are you smiling about? It's a very serious subject, one that altered the course of history in this country. Not enough, apparently. Haley was governor when South Carolina removed the Confederate flag from government grounds in 2015. That was following the shooting at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in June 2015. Prior to then, she defended states' rights to secede from the United States in a 2010 interview with a local activist group, as CNN reported, Politico, with the reporting there. Uh, let's jog your memory further with a clip from that interview. What's your belief about the reason the Civil War was fought? I mean, again, I think that as we look in government, as we watch government, you have different sides. And I think that you see passions on different sides. And I don't think anyone does anything out of hate. I think what they do is they do things out of tradition and out of beliefs of what they believe is right. Um, I think you had one side of the Civil War that was fighting for tradition, and I think you had another side of the Civil War that was fighting for change. You know, at the end of the day, what I think we need to remember is um, that, you know, everyone is supposed to have their rights, everyone's supposed to be free, everyone's supposed to have the same um, freedoms as anyone else. So, you know, I think it was tradition versus change is the way I see it. Tradition versus change on what? on individual rights and liberty of people. Except for black people. Come on, knock it. Except for black people. And I really uh, hate, Mayor, that while I appreciated it at the time because uh, just wanted it to end and for certain things like that flag to come down in South Carolina, I hate that she gets so much credit for what she had to do, basically. And when did she finally do it? 
when the blood of nine Bible study black churchgoers got blown away inside the place that they worshiped. And now we're supposed to believe that this was great courage by a leader who won't even tell us, won't tell the truth about the Civil War, why it came to that, won't tell the truth. I'm, I just, I, I'm disgusted in two ways, Mayor. Number one, as someone who's been in media for my whole adult life, and it was trained people, I know I could have trained her to give more, an answer that could have given her what she wants, which is to hold on to a basket of people who perhaps aren't worth holding on to, but she needs them to win and could have allowed her more dignity. But I'm also disgusted because I wouldn't want to train. I wouldn't want to do that, okay? Because I really need to know who you are, and this is who you are. You don't care about me. You don't care about a little boy who got shot by police and is getting no justice. You don't care. You just want that power, huh? By any means necessary. Here's here's my problem. Um, the, the 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 true the true chronicling uh, of this problem or this mistelling of history is not um, you know uh, new for Nikki Haley, the politician. Or you know, I mean, she has a long history as you just decade. I mean, are you illustrated 2010, 2015, 2019, 2023? Um, what's what's amazing to me and what people are missing is who are the people that are offended by telling the truth that the Civil War was fought for slavery. Mind you that we are a country that supposedly honor our veterans and those who separated, those who seceded from this union killed more American soldiers than any other one war in the history of our nation. So how can you be patriotic and American loving and veteran supporting and afraid to tell the truth that all of those brave troops died for two things, slavery to end and also to keep the union together. That's it. That's it. That's it. So when in the, in the interview, you see who Nikki Haley truly is. She is spineless. You want this endorsement of, and I political is saying it should do better. Sons of Confederate is not a local group. Sons of Confederate is a national damn near hate group. They walk around talking about the Confederate is about tradition. And when she says the war was about tradition or change, she's using their language. It was not about which tradition, the tradition of owning Negroes, the tradition of owning black souls is a tradition of reason they were fighting. So in 2010, when she said it, she was wrong. And then in 20, in 2019, when she did it again, she was wrong. After she said that the, the white man who walked in that church, Mother Emmanuel, and killed those nine people praying. When she said he he bastardized the flag and that flag to so many people in South Carolina means honor. And it's about history and ancestry. Yes, it is about honor. I mean, yes, it is about history and ancestry. Unfortunately, that history and ancestry is slavery. It's owning people. It's ugly and nasty. And the fact that she will not say that except for today. Yesterday, she didn't have the courage to say it in that town hall because she is spineless. That is not a leader. John McCain is the last Republican I've seen with leadership traits. When yeah. someone says something about Barack Obama being unpatriotic or or whatever, he, she, he said, no, he's a great man with great morals. We just don't see the world the same. 
Yeah. That does not exist in this Republican Party. No, it doesn't. What she, what she do every time is after she'll say something like this, she'll get an op-ed in the Washington Post or the New York Times, or she'll get the, she'll get a chance to clarify the next day and be like, mm-hmm. of course it was about slavery. But yeah. what's really dastardly to me, and I'm going to shut about this, is this woman, Nikki Haley's, exists in the capacity, all of the luxuries she had in the United States is off of the back of Black people. And what do I mean by that? I'm not just talking about the fights and the gains of Black civil rights movement. I'm talking about the fact that she moved to a community that was the, the, the supporting system in that community was an HBCU, Historical Black College, where her dad's money came from that awarded her to go to college and stop calling herself Namarata and start calling herself Nikki so she can whiten up her image and run for governor. So the nasty part about this woman, what really pisses me off is the fact that she stole from our community all of this resource and access that we are not awarded. And now she pretends our suffering didn't happen. Mm-hmm. She speaks to it too when she values a certain constituency and doesn't even care what we think about her words. So I'm pissed off too. Now I'm pissed off too. It's disgusting what she's up to. Absolutely disgusting, Mayor. And I also think that you know there's this debate, oh, she's got to be the alternative. Look how bad Trump is. We could have a debate about who's worse, but I, I happen to think that there's people who have written Trump off as exactly who he is, perhaps not enough. And then you have someone who, looks stereotypically more reasonable, uh, looks like she's middle of the road. And therefore, everyday Joes may give her a chance they wouldn't give him, which makes her perhaps more, more dangerous. We are out of time, Mayor. I'll give you the last quick word. And then you got to tell people where they can find more of your commentary. And I'd like to say history lessons too, because I don't feel like I'm even sitting in a classroom I learn from you every day. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for calling me, having me on the show with you. Um, just the last word on Nikki. Uh, I think she is more dangerous than Trump because she understands how to, the mechanism of government work. And we see that she's spineless. Trump's going to be Trump regardless. I feel like Nikki Haley will go with whatever the people around her tell her. And that could be dangerous. You can find me at Monday Robinson everywhere on social media. Yep. He's all over the place. And keep fighting the good fight. Let us know when you need reinforcement, Mayor, okay, from the powers that be. You fight the powers and we're right there with you. I'm Sharon Reed, honor always to sit in the chair for Doc. Thank you for watching Indisputable. We hope you will stay loyal.